We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, babe. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hello from the future. Um, Ty Windish, Adam McGee, and Jordan Trusky here of the Eurostep Podcast Network. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a picture of Rohan. He had to go before this quick break. Actually, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have saw if people just thought Rohan was frozen in time or something. But there was breaking news. We had to amend the podcast. There's a bunch of discussion later during the show about Javon Carter and why I think it's a waste of time to sign mm-hmm. him. A terrible decision, not necessary. So, of course, not 10 minutes after we finish the whole episode, the Bucks are announced to sign Javon Carter as per Woj and Priority Sports for whatever that means. So we're going to talk a little bit about, I guess, just now that that's happened, the reaction and everything. So Adam, Jordan, whoever wants to go first, we know we talked about Carter in the episode you'll hear that we recorded before. We knew they actually got him. I don't think Adam cares either way, but what are the uh, Javon Carter signing thoughts? As people will hear. Yeah, <laughs> I I have general feelings about this point in the roster, but uh, as I also alluded to when his name came up, it's kind of like, okay, you know, fine. I, I think he is someone who is proven as a capable guard defender. He's not really all that skilled otherwise. He can go through spells where he shoots the ball pretty well. This season is not one of those. But with the makeup of the Bucks roster, they if, you, if there's not a good point guard out there for them to get, which I think we're all in agreement there is no longer, they may just have needed like a guard defender and, well, the ball is going to be in one of your countless other players' hands at different positions who are more equipped for that. Even like, as we kind of touched on the recent win in six, DeAndre Bembry can do a little bit of ball handling too in second yep. units. Maybe that is something we start to see some of. So this is kind of a, like, it's not going to be Dante in terms of role, but it's, it's Dante just in terms of like size kind of positional fit. It's like, you want another guy in your roster who maybe there's some guard matchups where, it could help to have him out there, take a few minutes of an assignment and just kind of be pretty steady all around. That's what it is. And honestly, I'm 
I'm fine with it. It's like it's not moving any needle. No one should really care that much. Uh, I can say that because the remainder of this podcast is not purely about Javon Carter. So it's not even like I'm turning people off from listening. Um, but it's fine. This is the reality of, I think, the options that are available to the books at this point in the market. Yes, that is exactly where I stand. They had to make a move by the end of the week. Um, bring him in now. Give him some time to kind of familiarize himself with playing with his former, now current teammate, DeAndre Bembry, and playing with the Bucks, the team that he lost to in the finals, just to be clear. Um, yeah, and if you're, if you know, there's optimism that George Hill is not going to be out for long, but if they do kind of take it easy and rest players down the stretch, if, you know, they're not, you know, super worried about seeding, um, hopefully we don't have to be worried about seeding either. He'll have some utility as a defender. If his shot works, that's great. If it doesn't, well, that's kind of what you expected, you know, for the moment that you signed him. Um, yeah. yeah, just kind of, it is what it is. More so a transaction than anything, but if he, if it pops in a meaningful way, that's great. Yeah, I think, um, inter- I think they actually officially can sign him on Wednesday. So yeah. either way, it would be before the earliest possible two-week deadline for, to fill the roster spot two weeks after the trade deadline when they open the two spots. So there was I was a little unclear if it would date to that or to when Moose's 10-day expired. But either way, they'll get Carter in time. Um, I'm not a massive fan, although I will say I looked. He's a better shooter for his career than he has been this year. The last two years, mm-hmm. he was actually pretty good. This year, like his rookie year, he's around 33%. Um, I would have still liked someone. He's not a scorer either way, like whether the shot falls or not. It's not a huge difference for him. Certainly most of his utility is defensive. I think this is probably not great news for Lindell Wigginton. I still think they, they overlap a bit. And I think this, when he's actually on the roster, may be the end of the Lindell Wigginton time in Milwaukee, which Adam, your whole point is. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not. Oh. Your whole point was that was going to happen sooner or later eventually, right? Like when everyone's healthy, obviously he's not playing. When the bench Just- is. It's how the books roll. Like it's part of it, yeah, it's about him, but it's honestly my my thoughts on Wigginson are more just to do with players of that ilk. Like not to make it sound disrespectful, though it will. He could be nameless and faceless. That's just like that kind of option the book cycle true and how they've treated those over the years. Uh, there's not a whole lot of kind of a bright future for those kind of players in Milwaukee. It's it's a tough one. At a certain point, I would say you become a tougher sell for some of those guys if they've any other options. But yeah, I, I think it it kind of makes sense too. Like to get a guy with a few years of actual NBA experience under your belt. If yeah. these are the the break glass in case of emergency guys or the guys who just have to fill their spot, it's like, well, someone who has been on the Suns for a couple of years was on the Nets this year. One, there's actually some value in that for the books in terms of, you know, it's kind of the nets to solve some of the book's problems, at least with making room like for, for their moves. And the book's just be like, yeah, okay, we'll take both of those guys. Um, double but, revenge game possibility? <laughs> double revenge game. Look, he's, he's just, he's solid. And I, I think a little bit more skilled in an actual concrete and sustainable way than Wigginton. I mean, Wigginton's had some good games. Yeah. I, I don't have much confidence that holding up where, Javon Carter, it's like, if you look at the picture of his career, it's like, could he be really low usage, low turnovers, and defend well? Yes, I think there is enough kind of there at this point. He's a guy you can play Drew Holiday with, too, and not... I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're not hitting shots 
And, but if he actually, you know, when his opportunity and, you know, gives his number called and all that stuff, if he's shutting down opponents, you're winning half the floor. Like, they're, that's where you can make some impact. Um, that's, and also, not just Drew, but George Hill, too. Yes. It's like with the the books of two kind of slightly larger point guards and certainly guys who can defend up, they can afford to take someone who's a little bit undersized, which is what Javon Carter is. Um, but he's a good defender at that too. So maybe there are matchups. You come up against a tree guard team with smaller guards. You've just got a different option there that you'd kind of lost with Dante going. Like that was, yeah. I was certainly not someone bemoaning what they were losing with Dante. I don't feel like they're really losing a whole lot. But one of the things, and one of the things that people point to a lot is, oh, you know, the positional option, the kind of versatility of having a capable guard defender who's comfortable in different matchups in the backcourt. This could give you that. Like, I don't think you're going to lean on him all that often that he's going to need to do that. But he can, and he certainly... I think he can more than the other options that were out there. Like, I think once you lose, like, Dragic and the chance to have, like, a real kind of home run, someone who could actually bring something to your offense, you're then... Is there a specialist role player who is competent? And to go back to what my whole thing throughout this process has been... Like key for me is don't bring someone in who's going to ruin everything else. And Javon Carter is not going to come in and take shots away from better players. He's not going to cause problems in the locker room. He's not going like, to come in and take shots, period, more probably. Yeah, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like no, if, if you're not getting Dragic, you kind of want the guy who's not going to come in and take shots because the players you have then are better than what you were going to bring in. Yeah, I think uh, still would have, I would have liked if they could have found that. I understand that it probably wasn't out there. And I think this reminds me a little bit of the situation where. You know, we got questions after the Gasol the Gasol talk was reported, which was also after they acquired Surge, of like, oh, is it now a bummer that they went and got Surge because Gasol was in play? And it's you, I, I know it's I don't know people think of the Bucks different ways. Some people think the Bucks I think are pretty incompetent, fairly or not, probably not. Um, they have bought some things over the last couple of years. I, I grant you. But they, the Bucks have way more intel than we do. And I think that was true for the Gasol thing. And I think they talked to Gasol. I think the fact that they went and traded for a center right after that tells you what they gained from that conversation with Mark Gasol. Like, I don't think yeah. they traded for a center and then thought, oh, maybe we should call Mark Gasol and see what he's up to. I think no, yeah, he's done with the rumors. NBA. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So they call, they do the due diligence. It's not there. I think similar conversations revolving around Eric Bledsoe, Gary Harris, these other buyout guys probably are occurring. The Bucks are doing their poking and prodding. And they clearly, I think, came to the realization of like, there isn't anything better. Whether it's a guy in the G League we like. I mean, they've had 1,900 exaggerated opportunities to give Ray John Tucker a shot by now. They just haven't. And for whatever reason, they just haven't chosen to do that. And Lindell Wigginton's two-way being the most recent. Um, and then they had the roster spots. And they're still going to have an open spot. They could 10-day guys. We don't really expect them to. But they could. Maybe Mamu gets converted at some point. Don't really well, expect that either. That's the only surprise with this. And it's something we talked about before the news broke, which is at this point, maybe the, the logical thing is for them to convert Mamu's, ten, or yeah. Mamu's two-way and have him on a real roster spot and get him on a multi-year deal and have some control over that compared to what you're dealing with at the moment. Um, not a whole lot of incentive for players either. Like Again, yeah. I just think it's a really bad look. It's not great for building good feeling. And I think... Like Mamu has embraced everything. It like seems like a great guy, has given them quality minutes, like to the best of his ability at this time. I think it would be safe to say 
we'd all agree he's probably been better than we expected this year, given yeah. the just kind of weird profile he's had. He's been able to play. He's been able to do some stuff. He kind of deserves to be on a real contract. Like, you use the draft pick on him, you're putting some stock in him. So, at a certain point, I think you should do that. They could still this, do that, by the way. They still yeah. could, but it's going to cost them. And <laughs> it costs I, the more they wait. And I think it's it, that's, that, that is yeah. that is true. That Which is also what they very true. Because I was like, maybe a week out from that. It's also what crazy. they did with uh, they waited a long time to bring in Elijah Bryant, too. And we made a yep. lot over how much money they spent on the buyout, but I don't think that goes to the tax. Like, so what's what's the deal this year? Have they adjusted back for two way eligibility and the playoffs? Yeah, but, I, I thought I uh, they didn't. I think they can play in the playoffs, right? I don't remember if they I did. Thought they still can, but I think it's murky. Because yeah. if that was the case, then they actually wouldn't. I could be completely wrong on this, but they wouldn't have to convert Manu until the final game of the regular season if they wanted to. I, I think they, they could. Yeah. They could anyway. They could convert him in the off season. Well, they can convert him. It, it's he wouldn't have to follow like the the wave player rule. They could convert him whenever and, and make him a regular season guy, and he could still play. Well, my point else. is they they we don't think they have to convert him before a deadline to make. Him I don't think so. And honestly, realistically, I mean, unless you want to get like partially guarantee the next year, it's not. I mean, he gets some more money, but it's not all that much different than just. I mean, I think he's he'd be restricted for them either way. They'd be able to retain him if they wanted to. Um, so, you know, could they sign a hinky special contract if they like, you know, four years, five million or whatever? Yeah. I don't know how badly Mamu wants that. I mean, there's a lot of risk in those contracts for those players. Kenrich Williams, my guy losing out on a lot of money over this year and, and the next year by being on that one of those deals. But also, I mean, $5 million in the bank is, is pretty nice. On the other it's hand. better than two way money. It is like, better than two way. And it's, it's something that you know you've got, which when you're on a two way, you're always very close to just being out of the league for good and having a yeah. very different. Like, I think that's a tough thing for a draft player. But yeah, it you're is. right. They, they could still, they could still decide to do that. But I guess if you're bringing in Javon Carter, it's like you think that's actually important then if you're not using it for just yeah. kind of other. Uh, clean up work I guess otherwise which is essentially what it would have been in converting mana I, I think my biggest takeaway between their their trade and their buy I mean I think Bambury just made sense with you know mm-hmm. they never filled that I mean Shemi failed basically that was a failed yeah. experiment but and and Hood as well but I think like we they have Mamu a big and they have Lindell Wigington a small guard and they basically acquired two guys to make sure those guys never play and I think that show yeah. was like, and I'm not saying that's incorrect or callous or whatever, but they're like, hey, we 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 need to win some games over this regular season. We need to be better. We need to be deeper in case you know the injury bug does persist. We all like to, and later on this pod, do imagine a world where they are healthy. The Bucks hasn't existed yet. Need to be ready in case it doesn't. And now they're a little bit better. Does it matter? Maybe not, but they are a little bit better now. In that case, they don't have to rely on Mamu and Wigginton. They have Javon Carter and Serge Ibaka, which is better than you know what they had before. Yeah, they're, that's the important thing. I think it's like when Bembry fell into their lap the way he did, that solved a lot of problems that yeah. were had otherwise in trying to figure this out. Because I think you've netted out based on what we've seen with Rodney Hood and with Shammy. It's like they weren't going to be contributing. Like So I think at Bembry, you've got someone that's pretty safe, has the potential to contribute and doesn't have the question marks over him even. Like maybe it just doesn't work. But it's not like Rodney Hood coming back after was he tore his Achilles, was it? Was yeah. that the injury? Yeah, but two years um, ago, but yeah. Two years ago. But still, that's once yeah, you've done it's... that. So there's there's not that kind of question mark. You've got a guy who's been good recently, has some 
kind of translatable skill that you can put into your rotation and maybe able to give you um, some quality minutes. And Ibaka is an obvious one. So I think we all looked at that trade as just like Dante was the main thing they lost. And even then, I don't know how great that loss was. So in getting back two players, I think we would all agree have definite rotation potential. Doesn't mean they'll be in the rotation for every series. That's important. Jamal Carter is solid. And as a flyer, as opposed to Shemi, like there's probably more of a chance of him having any playoff minutes to give than there was of Shemi at the point we'd reached. Yeah, I mean, they they swapped Dante DiVincenzo, Rodney Hood, Shemi Ojale for Serge Ibaka, DeAndre Bembry, and Javon Carter, which there's some people who may think that wasn't even, that's not even, and two second round picks. Um, there's people who probably think that's not even a good deal, the people who are really high on Dante. I think Dante would have played and probably would have been a, a detraction from the team based on everything we've seen this year and some in previous years, but especially this year. Hood and Shemi just could not play. So I think getting, you know, if you want to say two and a half or, you know, three guys who can at least kind of play, you're better. And, you know, second round picks, we'll see. We've seen Horse do stuff with those before. So I think overall, it's not splashy. It's not fun. It would have been if they had gotten Dragic, I think, but still a solid outcome. And another, the, the latest example of Horst retooling on the fly to at least put the Bucks into a better position than they started that regular season. Could the offseason before have been better and not necessitated that? Maybe, but you'd rather have, you know, I think you'd rather try your best all the way through, even if you know you're going to miss sometimes on these swings. John Horse is always going to do stuff. You can just, you can bet your house that John Horse is going to do something. He does not know how to sit one of these things out. And I mean, we're both, we're all not confident that this happens. But if someone does come along in a buyout situation over the next, what, nine? No, not even nine days. Week. Um, they still have an open roster spot. Well, longer than... Oh, is what's the wait But To be line? playoff eligible, it, is, it has to be done by March 1st. Oh, I forgot it was so early this year. Good call yeah. out. I, I, I've said the date before, and I totally forgot the date. So, yeah, they're not they're not totally hamstrung by any means. That, that is a yeah. good call out. And Which, that's what I was even asking on Mamu, because that if that deadline did apply for two ways, like that's coming fast. You're not saving much at this point. Yeah. Well, you still, you still save more. I mean, sure, every, sure. Every you're day. saving every day with what yeah. they're at, but it's, we're not talking, we're not talking massive amounts relatively. Yeah. I don't want to get into that. People get upset when you, I, you know, trust me, trust me. I, I know how people get when you talk about uh, <laughs> those things, but it is a, it is a good call out to put us all together if we are going to see Mamu converted, it probably wouldn't be just for absolute safety if a Gary Harris does become available until after then, right? Yeah. Because why not? Why why not wait? He's available the same amount of time because he's been in the G League enough. There's no way he's going to run out of NBA. I don't. Guys don't even really run out anymore. But he'll be available the same amount to the Bucks between now and the waiver deadline. So you might as well wait if you are going to do it. But okay. I think that's all of the Javon Carter thoughts. You throw to Rohan? Wait. Yeah, Ro- Rohan, what do you got? Um, he's got plenty in the, in the rest of the episode. So, um, in, enjoy that. Thanks for listening as always, folks. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network collab pod post all-star break, post buyout market, or at least the big fish of the buyout market, unfortunately for the Bucks. I'm Ty Winnish. I'm joined as always by my co-host Rohan Kadi, plus the winning six fellas, Jordan Trusky and Adam McGee. Talking all things Bucks, heading into the maybe sprint is generous, but the latter portion of the NBA season. Fellas, how's it going? 
It's going well. Uh, we're still waiting for the... Uh, they don't come back till Saturday, right? So it's an extra long All-Star break, which for their sake probably is really good. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Could we they stretch have... it to like mid-March and then just maybe, pick up from there? Yeah. Would that, that would work for me. <laughs> when a certain number 24 comes back, maybe 11. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I'm doing well. I just spent the last 12 days doing a, a punch of karma. You can you can look that up yourself. You know what it is. Rohan? You know, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, it hasn't been a long time since we did a pod tie. So <laughs> uh, excited to talk about the rest of the season outlook. It's good. It's good for these collab pods. I really like these collab pods. Yeah. Shout get, out GSPN. Shout out GSPN indeed. So the big news, even since we last recorded, which is like 30 hours ago, less yesterday, is that Goran Dragic did pick a team. He did not pick the Bucks because he's a coward. He picked the Brooklyn Nets to go be their fourth guard who doesn't play a whole lot of defense. Um, third guard who doesn't play a lot of defense when they're in Brooklyn or in Canada. Um, disappointing news for sure, despite uh, calling him a coward. Clearly would have liked him to be a buck. I think even if you're relatively low on what he actually provides in a playoff setting or just generally, the Bucks could use some scoring on the bench. I think they could regardless of anything else. They definitely could with Pat on the shelf, with Bobby starting because Brooke Lopez is on the shelf again until sometime in March, probably, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, and George Hill has been out with, a, I think, a neck injury for quite a while. It sounded like he would be able to return shortly after the break. But, again, we don't really know. So John Horse said. Yeah. Yeah. His word is his bond, right? John Horse says a lot of things. He doesn't. That's yeah, actually he loves, he, part of the problem. He loves bird rights. He did say that. Um, and that did not end up factoring in much to the Bucks offseason whatsoever. Actually, not at all, I think. I don't think they use bird rights in any uh, aspect. But uh, Grayson. Uh, yes, that's true. Good point. Before he played a game with the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, that's a good catch, Jordan. They did not use bird rights in any signings, original signings. Yeah. Re- I, that doesn't make sense. Whatever. Um, they let P.J. Tucker go, in case anyone didn't know what I was referring to. Uh, but Dragic isn't coming to Milwaukee, which stinks, uh, especially given how depleted they're going to be for the next several weeks. So what's the general takeaway? I know I was listening to the last win in six Jordan, the pessimist, was all over this. Jordan did not think he was the going antenna. to show up. Yeah, he said that they didn't go to the Mavs. He's not going to the Bucks either. Um, people thought Phoenix was going to pop up. Rohan poo-pooed that. Didn't think that he was going to go back to Phoenix. But I honestly did not really expect Brooklyn, although maybe I should have after LaMarcus and uh, Blake Griffin went there last year. Yeah, I... I there's two things I kept like clinging to is that the Bucks are never forward with their like buyout possibilities. We didn't hear a peep about signing DeAndre Bembry until they agreed to terms with them. Going back to even like Pau Gasol, I know we don't want to remember that, but that was also the case. Oh, he's a Bucks legend, Pau Gasol. He is a Bucks so legend. We do want to remember Going that. The he's a me? Buck. I've heard. I would. I would personally love that. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but like, they no, just, you're not. It, you're you're very serious for that. I know. Still looking up at the chair. <laughs> um, but uh, 
I just thought I was like, this just is not how they operate whatsoever. Just be like, we're going to be very aggressive into looking into Goran Dragic. We're going to offer him this role on the defending champs. And George Hill may miss some time. Pat just got injured. So there's an opportunity there. And I was like, this is just not how, this is not their MO. And I understand trying to make that very forward externally. And they don't really have, like, there's not a lot of connections to Goran Dragic, like how the Nets have it with Steve Nash, where they mm-hmm. are teammates. Dragic was his understudy, if you will. Um, I just thought there was just more opportunity, whether it was Brooklyn or elsewhere, that I thought he could have maybe been. Like, I know we were kind of sleuthing his Twitter likes and all that stuff. And, and I do agree he would have been helped or a big help for them, obviously, in the spot where they're coming back from the all-star break and just kind of trying to, you know, as the story has been this whole year, trying to get healthy. But I just kind of thought it was too good to be true all along. Does that mean that you you don't really buy they were in from to the extent that it was reported? Because I know that's generally your thing with this. But in this case, I kind of... I would buy that. I just think they, oh, were, I buy they it. were beaten out. No, like, I think he thinks they were too forward. It was like they just got they just got his number and they sent like three straight texts. And it's like, <laughs> just give him some space. Like give him a little room. Goddess just contacted him on WhatsApp through <laughs> his sponsorship deal. Like I I do agree that they really wanted Gordon Dragic. I also just think like I don't know, like maybe I'm just too cynical about these things, but when things are just like very like Oh, they're the most, they're the front runner to try to lure Goran Dragic or like how the Mavericks were used as Goran Dragic's like destination from the moment he got traded to, to Toronto. And then the deadline happened, as we all know, and they just like, in the, like immediately were like, we're not doing buyouts. We're not looking into point guard help. They got Spencer Dinwiddie. Maybe that decision doesn't plan out the way that they do, but like it just like, I don't know. I just kind of, I think they, their intention was certainly there, but to make it as forward as they did just felt a little like it didn't pass the sniff test to me. It's not very Midwestern, that, right? I, like, I, I'm being serious. Yeah. It's not. It's very, like, to be that, like, but I, I think there's a weird thing here. And this, from years of doing this, Jordan, Jordan always gets uncomfortable at this time of year with stuff like that. This is now like the NBA champions, right? And in, in prime position for another one. So I, I do think like even beyond the need, there is a reason for them to puff their chest out and like really go for it more than ever this year. I think the crucial thing you hit on, it was something that I have been thinking of kind of in advance of him landing in Brooklyn is like, it's very tough to find a player that you'd feel like there's almost zero connections on the books to the guy and, and he, Bud too? he might be the guy but that's it I mean like and Bud as an assistant coach in San Antonio yeah well Dragic was there for like Gordon Dragic is in San Antonio yeah oh for like two years maybe this is before he uh, went to Phoenix and I, I thought it was one year but like yeah I guess but that's where we're kind of coming off of it, it's like it's one year of like over Jordan. Happened. He 
never he never played. Oh, never played well, there. Take He was drafted by the Spurs. That's. I was thinking it's like it was a a cup of coffee at most. I don't even know if he got the cup of coffee. No, he his draft rights were traded to Phoenix. Funnily enough, he was also traded by the Raptors to the Spurs in 2007. So the Spurs just don't want anytime <laughs> they get him. They're like, like, no, 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 not this we'll guy. Take Zoran will t- will not take Zoran. <laughs> the Bucks should have signed Zoran to a two way. Maybe that would have uh, sealed it up. Let's, Ro- let's not encourage that strategy. <laughs> Rohan, what were your thoughts on uh, on Dragic picking Brooklyn? I thought it was a coward move, like yep. you said, Ty. Just cowardly. Just, like, what, what are you doing? Like, there's four guards there now in Brooklyn, and when it comes playoff time, like, Kyrie's going to play when he can. Right, okay, there's three guard. and a half. There's three and a half. Wait, now. who's the half? Oh, is Kyrie the half? Yes. I was going to say, people call Ben Simmons a guard. He's also there. I, I don't think he is one. I don't but... know if he's going to play. No, he can't He can't play as a guard with in Brooklyn now because of their roster now. Because now they have Patty Mills, they have Seth Curry, they have Kyrie Irving, and they have Goran Dragic. Where where is Dragic cracking the rotation? Then Patty Mills has been awesome for this uh, for the Nets this season. Seth Curry has been awesome just in general, and is going to be awesome for the Nets this season. Kyrie Irving, if he's eligible to play, is going to be playing a lot of minutes. Where does Dragic fit into there? It's just, it's a, it's a weird move unless he's just ring chasing. But if you're I th- ring chasing, I think he'd be the starting yeah. point guard when when Kyrie's not able to play, which is you know fifty percent of the time. Is you bring Seth off the bench then? Because I think Patty will still start in those games. It's a weird situation. It's a weird. There, it's see, not... the dynamic of the roster has flipped entirely with the moves and what they're doing. Like they may they may well decide that they want Patty to be a six man, but like a supercharged six man. Maybe Dragic takes that role. I don't. I don't know what way they break that down, but I. I think it is tough to kind of look at what the Nets were before trading for Simmons, getting rid of Harden, and what they're now going to be and work that out. Like I think you'll play. Listen, I. I love nothing more than to call NBA rivals of the Milwaukee Bucks cowards and the players who sign with them cowards. I don't think this was cowardly. I. I think you've got to be a little bit brave to actually opt to go play for the Brooklyn Nets right now to be like, yeah, that's the situation I want to spend my time in. They're in the playing tournament. It's like, they're, like it's not a easy... they're in the playing tournament. He's going into a situation where it's like, okay, can Kyrie play tonight? Oh, no, he can't. When can he next play? Is Ben Simmons going to play again soon? What's KD's health like? Uh, I I don't know if it's the, the smartest decision he's maybe made, but... I don't know if I'd call it cowardly. It might, in fact, be brave. Goran Dragic may be too brave for his own good here by deciding to go and play for, you know, the the plucky Brooklyn Nets. You know, the Nets lost three of their top seven players in total games played between the deadline and now. Between Harden, Bembry, and um, um, who Javon Carter, who they waived for um, to pick up, or they are waving to pick up Dragic. Wow! Uh, and we can talk about Javon in a second, but it's wild just how few games that a lot of these these players have played. I do think there's a fair question to be asked: like, are we sure Dragic at this point is better than Cam Thomas, who's probably losing his role to Dragic in some That's extent? That's another as a bench yeah. scorer guard kind of guy. Like, I, I don't know. I do think they needed him for a lot of the same reasons the Bucks do, though. Even if he's not an ideal fit, come playoff time. Whether the the mandate is lifted or not, like if Kyrie can play or if he can't play in all games, 
They just need help in the meantime. I mean, we've talked about a, a numerous times, not innumerous, but numerous, that the Bucks just need to get through the regular season. You know, this dates all the way back to the boogie thing of like, who cares if you can't play in the playoffs? You have to get there, and it's important. That's doubly true for Brooklyn, who, as you guys mentioned, in the play-in, currently in a spot where Kyrie would be eligible to play zero play-in games, first in Canada, then hosting whoever comes yeah. out of the bottom half. And they're only two and a half games ahead of ninth, which is then you lose one and you're done. And ninth may, ninth is even worse because if you lose that first game without Kyrie, it's over. You get one shot. Um, so it, it's it's hilarious, quite frankly, where, where they've ended up, all, all things considered. And I just think they needed some assistance and adding a player probably won't hurt. Um, but it, it does stink because I do think for the same reason that he's really helpful there, he would have been helpful in Milwaukee. Some people floated, you know, now that Carter's being waived, will they do the Bembry thing again and just pick up the guy the Nets got rid of? Personally, I'd rather just keep Lindell on the two-way and have a roster spot. Like, I think Lindell Wigginton and Javon Carter are not that dissimilar. Yeah. I mean, there's there's small guards who are known for their defense, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's the M.O. I guess Javon Carter's turned it on as a shooter, but so is Lindell. Yeah. <laughs> Javon Carter is at... 33% this year from deep. That For him, that is turning it on as a shooter. But we've got four, I think, four years of evidence now that he can't shoot. And I just, you know, even if he's better defensively than Lindell, I'd rather chase some sort of upside offensively because I feel like that's what the bench needs. I mean, assuming Wes comes back as well, I, I don't think defense is their biggest concern with the bench. I think they need some points. And I don't think Javon Carter's 3.6 per game is going to help all that much in Milwaukee. I think that this is to the point, and it's what we're now dealing with, and it's what Dragic guns the conversation changes to. Like, Lindell Wigginton is, I'm sorry, Lindell, irrelevant. Like, there is no upside there. Well, I, I have never, ever, I, I will state this clearly, being just as underwhelmed, I, I could not care less. I am baffled by the energy people are putting into, oh, look at, look at Lindell. His like, last two yeah, games were good. They were good. His last two games were good. Like, so we're talking about it's like, I mean, that's yeah, the only opportunity. Maybe, he's maybe had. he could scrape the back end of an NBA rotation for one of his career. The books are trying to win a championship. It's like, that is, it is a player that no matter what comes of that, it's just not going to factor into anything they're doing. So I, I honestly, I don't have energy either way. I, I think Javon Carter is more NBA tested and maybe more there's NBA a chance in it. Too. Well, that's, that's not really a downside because if you give Lindell that opportunity, I don't think we're going to see anything really different. Like I, I don't get could. it. At all. Well, it's so not, it's not, it's not you're always just Lindell, gonna though. you're it's, always just gonna want the flyer. It's, it's every that's time. How, it's like that's how they've approached their two way guys in general. That's it's a lot of like the cycling through of and I, I right there with Ty and Rohan. Like Lindell has looked good, but like I also don't have any belief in that the Bucks will value. What it's they just such a waste of our time. Like, but it's, it's, not, and it's, but it's also saying. with the way they treat two way guys. And it's like, yeah. I, I have no energy to put into it. I don't, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's good at all. He's had a couple of games where it's like, Oh, he's shooting the ball. Well, Hater. it doesn't mean anything. Like I, I'm, I maybe just at the point where I really am cynical about this. And I, I could not care about not even 15th guy, but like the 16, 17 guy scenario. But it's like, if the conversation is, well, do they go for John Carter? Do they stick with Linda Wigginton? It's like, let's move on to the next topic because this is completely irrelevant to <laughs> the book's chance to win a championship. Like, well, you've got to get I, I'm, the season, I'm not, 
you've got to get through the rest of the season. You've got to do stuff to get through the year. This but is the same thing. If with, the, with if the, the do stuff to get through the year is literally just have enough guys to field on the court, they can still do that and possibly get players who are better, but they're still equally inconsequential. I have no, I have no strong feeling about that. I'm not saying, oh, just get rid of Lindell because I, I, I don't think it matters. Like so, fine, keep him around, but I, I don't think it really merits much discussion because barring something that even from people who are really liking some of what they're seeing, like barring something completely unforeseen and miraculous, he is not going to be a factor even for like a couple of minutes outside of garbage time down that, the line. That's... And that's, that's, that's kind of, it's a part of it is a rewiring too, based on what we saw last year, but it's, it's not something that I can get excited about or just care at all. Like, I don't think it's important. The Javon over Lindell thing isn't about either of those players, though. It's about Lindell's on a two-way. So if the output's going to be anything similar, use the roster spot somewhere else and maybe you can find someone who will be consequential down the line. Is my biggest reasoning of saying don't even bother with Javon Carter because that's a roster spot. Even if it's a 10-day, like I would rather try out a, a G League player who might give you something that sustains more than Javon Carter, who we've seen the baseline. It's like maybe he's a little better than Lindell, but you have one of those guys on a two-way, so it doesn't impact your roster, and it gives you the flexibility to try out other players. Yeah, I, I mean, Jordan will know we've had this conversation a thousand times. Like that is the idealized way that I like to think of two ways, and I would like the Bucks yeah. to use their two-way players. They have not done that once, and they're not going to start. They do. They care less about two ways than I do. Like it, it's they're, they're so. Using that. What do you What do you mean? It's more of the investment of it where, yeah, like when we saw what happened with Diakite last year where he, you know, looks good in the G League bubble and all this stuff, great, you know, character, locker room guy, all that stuff. They, you know, convert his contract to a full-fledged contract. It's, it was like, okay, here we go. Like, is that the springboard to something else? And it's like, no, he's just cut in the middle of the summer. It doesn't matter. But what like if they had just... Frank Mason, they had Frank Mason – you know, the G League MVP, and, like, I'm not saying, like, when you have, like, that body of work where you can look at, like, oh, he was the MVP of the G League, that's pretty remarkable in itself, and they, granted, it was a mid of other things that were going haywire during the off season with Bogdan's deal and all that stuff. It just, like, I don't know, like, they just keep cycling through these guys and keep cycling through these guys rather than just being, like, Okay, we'll stick with this guy and use it for our, you know, long lasting game. Whereas they never really, I can't even think of anybody who they've done that with ever. Well, and the, I, the other, the other thing that points to it's not working out though. Diakite is not that good. And Frank Mason has barely been able to play this year. And he's been really bad when he has in the G League because he's dealt with a lot of leg injuries. Yeah. But I think yeah. that reinforces the point of if we're talking about two way guys that way, then I don't think we'll ever get. Somewhere like the the I can't even think of like a two way guy like it's just one in a million kind of shot. Yeah, I mean, they haven't found a what a Terrence Mann was he a two way initially? I think so. I know the Clippers. Caleb are, Martin. Yeah. Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin. Or like, yeah, basically look at any Heat guy like Max Struess or yeah, like when they have like that development pipeline, you can bank on that happening. Like even the Raptors. Like, but the problem as the Bucks have had it is that they're whether it's draft picks or two-way guys or these little, like, fringe deals, like, those just haven't really panned out in a way, whereas they've 
when they've made, you know, big strides, it's bringing guys like Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, like kind of very NBA caliber players, but just trying to find the right role for them, if that makes sense. And the, the thing not to lose sight of in, in talking about how the books handle two ways, which is something that's come about as the change because of the pandemic and the loosening of days allowed as the team and all of that, like what they use it for. And some teams do this still, and we're doing it at the time and others weren't. Others would treat it more seriously as well. What can we find and where are we using the books just burned those days. Like that's, that was primarily how they spent their first couple of, if not three years was just burning days. And even if someone was showing something, it was more important that it was filling that gap, which is part of the function of it. That is the, yeah, getting through the season. But it's it's just not doing anything. Like the two way that matters, and we're talking about what way they might decide to manage their roster spots from here, is Mamu. And it's like, okay, well then, is this the perfect opportunity? Which it would seem to be to actually get him on a real contract and maybe plan going forward with that so you have a different direction, particularly see it as, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for like drafted players on the roster right now, and it, it's hard to come by too many of them. But it, it's just something that their approach to it has never, like, it, I think you're being very generous, uh, more generous than you would usually be, Ty, to be like, well, maybe they've just been bad at it. Well, the one thing I, but the one thing I would entertain is, I, I think, and you know this better than anyone, they have done a really good job with the herd of building really strong G League rosters. Yes. They have not necessarily done a good job of building rosters of players who may not be ready to like go and compete at the top of the G League, but instead have translatable skills for an NBA sense. Now, Lindell may be closer to that because he's not a guy who's just going to completely tear up the G League where everyone's like, oh, you know, it's not like the Frank Mason thing where it's like, this is the MVP, but we can all clearly see why that's there. That's a more recent example. He's currently back tearing it up in the G League. You can see that that doesn't translate. And it's time to a two-way with... The heat. The heat, too. yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the same thing that's happening with Wing is in, in terms of talking about that, we went through it with Javante Smart. And Javante Smart had some nice games. And I honestly, there's things of his game I like too. But it's it's like, what are we ultimately doing here? But, I, I mean, we're... I'm sorry, because I've really sidetracked this on what should be a much more glamorous conversation. But there aren't glamorous players to get here now. And this is kind of what it's going to devolve into. I Like, I... It's maybe a natural say, but I don't know where they go, what they look to, who they can possibly get here. It's not going to be exciting, but even more so, I don't think it's moving the needle in any way at all. And there is, you've got to get through the season. I'd like to think, you know, this is being really optimistic, but maybe they're just a little bit healthier soon and they're better equipped to get through the final part of the season as a version of themselves that is going to be relevant and important for the playoffs. And there was some of that I remember we had last year too and we talked about where it's like, yeah, let's just try and get some games where the rotation is there so they're going into the playoffs and they have a feel for that. I think that's crucial for the books in the months ahead. Brooke is obviously the biggest question mark, but particularly after missing out on Dragic, George Hill is now right up in terms of importance again. Yeah. Like they, they need George Hill back, Pat too, and we need to start seeing something like that. If Hill comes back though, as John Horst said... Yeah, maybe maybe it doesn't matter quite as much in some of those other areas. It's going to be interesting to see what Bembry does too. That's the other thing. If Bembry comes in, plays some minutes, and plays well to begin with, how they kind of work through this is going to be interesting. But 
to me, the only move that I can see, like it's obvious right now, is well, they're gonna have to do something, so they're gonna convert Sandro's deal. And that probably works to their benefit in terms of just managing things long term anyway. Yeah. I still wonder if it's if they'll do a ten day in the in the meantime and try That's- and wait out some of the potential buyout. So let's quickly just recount, you know, Gary Harris was number two on our buyout board. Right now, it doesn't seem like he's going to be bought out. We don't have concrete info. I don't think anyone has said, no, he's not. But it just doesn't seem like it's trending that way. Obviously, if he gets bought out, I think that's a guy who, okay, he could actually play at some point down the Mm -hmm. line. He's had a very good season. He is a rotational caliber player. And you can see the difference between the two pots because Rohan and I are like geeked about what Lindell's role is going to look like for the rest of February and early March. And Adam's like, don't even talk to me. About Lindell. Oh, it's a it's a waste of time. I mean, I I love that you guys do that and people listen to it, but it's like, who cares? It's we do. We care. Jordan, do we care? Jordan cares. He just doesn't want to say. Jordan, Jordan, we we had this conversation last time. Look, I there is a definite split between our podcasts. This has long been established. This is part of the reason why we teamed up. We serve different purposes. We have different perspectives on it. I think that's a good thing. Big picture I just, versus day to day. Well, yeah, but it's also what do what do we get? This is our post All Star outlook, and it's like we're we're looking to the stretch run and the NBA playoffs where the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks try to defend their championship. Who cares about Lindell Wigginton? He does not matter. Yeah, it's I like if- Axel Tupan played in the playoffs. I don't want to hear it. I did this for years where I had to be like all the day to day, every player on the books. I had to give some love to. No, it's blogging. Elijah guys don't matter. Elijah Bryan and Axel Tupac were playing in the playoffs. NBA champions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Also, as we were recording this, Mark Stein just uh, tweeted, well, not just tweeted, this is 15 minutes ago. uh, Dennis Schroeder is on course to finish the season. Houston League sources say. That's fine. yeah, fine, but also takes away a buyout guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Adam has his. I'll take works. I'll take Lindell over. Yeah, over his, his works for me on on shooter. <laughs> I'm out on shooter. Um, but you know, it's the games do matter. Even if it's you know, what if the playoff seating changes and it makes a big the games difference? matter. I never said the games don't matter. Well, Lindell's going to Lindell matters for the games. Yeah, it's oh. transitive property. <laughs> Scored double digits twice in a row. It's a big deal. Anyway, uh, Gary Harris probably not going to be available. If he was, would be a great add. I think less seamless than Dragic. I would prefer more of an on-ball player, but you beggars can't be choosers, so to speak, at this point in the buyout market. So that'd be fun. Bledsoe, I think, would still be helpful. Really does not seem like he's going to get bought. That one we have heard definitively no. Um, You know, people still float like the Robin Lopez thing. At this point, why? Why? Mark Mark Stein floated that um, in, like a, in a, 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 a Substack post or, or Bucks wise. No books. That the the feeling around the league was that he was going to be a book, but wow. it still remains to be seen whether he's bought out. And obviously now, given the books have got Serge Ibaka, the the feeling of that may have changed anyway. But that was the expectation around the NBA was that he would be going back to the books. Interesting. I, I I've liked Serge so far in a mild sense. I'm not thrilled, but I've liked what he's brought. I think he's he's what more or needed. less than Lindell. More. Okay. I think he's solid Brook insurance, and obviously he's a stopgap replacement. But he can do 
an approximation of the Brooks stuff, and none of the other guys they've tried at center have been even close. Like I think the caliber of defender is pretty obvious there. And I even think going back to like, you know, when I was sad they didn't get Bismack, this is how down bad we've been on on the Eurostep podcast. I had notifications on for his tweets. Um he he couldn't have done the same for things though. Bismack's tweets? For Bismack Biombo, yeah. This is pretty- why not like why not like the newsbreakers who would tell you if I, I the books got Bismack. Bismack? I thought it would be Bismack. You thought you'd break his own news? Yeah, thought it would be That's Bismack. the point he's at. <laughs> I was thinking when we were talking earlier, all good Bucks Bismack stories sports, come right? out of nowhere. That- <laughs> no, no, Jordan. No. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, all good Bucks stories come out of nowhere. Like Giannis broke his story. So maybe Bismack could have broken his, but um, Rick was about to, then stadium cut off the last 15 seconds of that. <laughs> well, maybe he was what happened? Anyway. what happened to the audio? He did it to yeah. He did in the end. He got to yeah. do it eventually. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like we're going to get a rotation buyout guy. I mean, I guess Bembry is, is one who maybe is. Is DJ we'll Augustine the best buyout guy right now that's available? He's not coming back, is he? I feel like it was such a disaster. Here's a hypothetical, right? So the books need a guard. You can have DJ Augustin. Lindell. Lindell. Lindell, easily. He's, he's not going to be one of the options of the hypothetical. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or, I say no? or you can have NBA champion Jeff Teague. Oh, give me Teague. Yeah, Teague. Teague. I think Teague. You got to bring Teague back. Let's he has just to, just to present him together. with his ring. He graduated, so, Jordan. He, gra- why he got an A and uh, graduated. Yeah. Why is there not being a, a Jeff Teague night where they present him with his ring? It's actually a it little weird. It might be the weird. first game of the playoffs, you know? They're waiting for, like, game seven the of the finals, is it? Something. What was his uh, – when was the Teague game? It'll be that game of whatever series. If it doesn't happen, <laughs> he doesn't get the <laughs> game ring. Game six of the conference finals. Yeah, game six, six of the conference, conference finals. finals. Have we heard anything from Jeff Teague? No. Nope. Not, even, not even the summer. There was – I mean, oh. it, it kind of – Oh, no. He said his last tweet is, okay, talk to y'all in a year. It was fun. But that was September 2020. So that is oh. a year and a half ago now. A not year a, off of that. Not won a, a championship. That's true. <laughs> he called his shot. Uh, and his, his Instagram is private. So, yeah, Jeff Teague is off the grid. Ro- Rohan, is there anyone available or who might be available that we've missed that, that would be actually interesting? Not not really. This is, this is kind of why we're down bad now that Dragic is in Brooklyn because – there's no other guys out there. Now you just got to take some shots, see what happens. That's why, like, a guy I'd like to see get a shot is Tuck, like Rajon Tucker out of yeah. Wisconsin Earth. So give him a 10-day, see what happens. Yeah, much more like, interested than that. that. You got to give those type of guys a shot now because it's like all the other washed-up NBA vets are just, like, either too washed, off the grid like Jeff Teague, or on a different team. Mm-hmm. And sorry. to close – Close the loop on the Dragic thing because I just was thinking about it more. I also think if he wants the biggest platform to maybe get some kind of deal, whether it's like a mid-level contract next summer or this summer, next summer, this summer, he's going to have it in Brooklyn. Like even in those games that they don't have Kyrie or when Kyrie's there and available, which is like eight because they play against Toronto and the Knicks so that takes wipes them out of those games like the 500 people in the building will be gone wild yeah exactly <laughs> but like the, it, it it just that it seemed more like self-sustainability in terms of if I want to finish out this out and maximize my career earnings in the last couple years of my career go to Brooklyn there's also we can't overlook 
it's Brooklyn. Like, let's forget yeah. the Nets and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant's injury. It's like, okay, you can pick a team. You can pick a place where you're going to live for a few months and you've got your choices. And for anyone to be like, I want to live in Brooklyn, like, there may not be more to it than that. Like, I, I pitched him in living in Chicago and commuting on the pod. I'm not sure he heard it in time, though. I think he may have still picked, may have picked Brooklyn over that. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Maybe he would have picked uh, the biggest city in, in the country over Chicago. Who knows? Okay, so the buyout market is Bembry and, and nothing, basically. Nothing of, of substance. I think Mike James is available. My guy, Mike James, longtime listeners know. I am a, a big, big Mike James fan. Um, not even not even I am that enthused about that. I would rather see Tuck get a contract as well. Just Jordan, who's the next uh, Israeli league player who's going <laughs> to come down? Um, Tap into your sources. See if there's anyone we can find, any discoveries to you. Have. I guess... Could we say Thon? No, I'm joking. He's, he's not playing well at all at the G League either. Is he on the Brooklyn team? Or where yeah. is he? Yeah. The Long Island Nets. They're taking all, all the guys that we want. Yeah. We being um, Rohan in Thon's case. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, I don't, I, I cannot think of another buyout guy that's. Bryant? Well, <laughs> he's available, I guess. <laughs> um, I cannot think of another buyout guy. Available outside of like Javon Carter or people that were waived, but like it's it's grim. Yeah. What what? How many guys are that again? How many do we need to to hit the minimum? One. Just one. One. Yeah. They have, so. they have two open spots. They're. I assume they'll keep the fifteenth open. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. They will. Yeah. Uh, they're <laughs> particularly now that that's a that's a guarantee. Um, they're gonna just convert. I, that's Dennis it. Smith Jr. was waived, but I don't know if he's going to play this season. He's yeah. injured. He would be. I would be interested in the flyer, but I, I just don't think he's ready to play. No. You'd rather rather have Dennis Smith Jr. or Lindell? Tyler? I would rather have Dennis Smith Jr. on a ten day to see and and just keep Lindell. Nah, that's that's not an answer. That's my answer. That's good GMing. Just... You take the look. You look under the stone. Lift it up. Oh, he stinks. Put it back down. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What's the confusion? Whatever. I, uh, the, the only thing with those flyers, right? Like, there is something in Terry. I'm not opposed to the idea. I just don't think the books are his team anymore. Because anyone that they get that they even kind of like that does something good, let's say maybe you get a, a multi year contract to someone going and it's like partial guarantees, non guarantee, whatever it is. Like, anything they do. Just it's like see you later once the offseason comes, particularly with the decisions the books have to make and just the absolute cap gymnastics that they're gonna have to try and figure out to do that. It's like they're not in a position. A couple of years ago was the ideal time for the books to take every flyer possible and try to make them count and find a couple of guys that you then have locked in on cheap deals. And they didn't do that, which is like it's tougher and tougher and tougher. Yeah. Where now I, I think it's a point where it's like what even is your flyer? I think if you if you took a flyer and you found someone good, there's a really good chance that you just find someone good for someone else because you'll be waving them to do something else in the summer or you're, you'll be trading them to create cap space. If all of a sudden you have someone who's actually got a bit of value or teams will want, you'd be like, oh, great. Now we can trade player X so we can bring Pat and Bobby back or whatever it might be. Like I, I think that's the, the part of that I find challenging too is the books are just kind of beyond the point of flyers at this point of the year those kind of flyers working out moses brown is casey is casey akpala hurt yeah i think that's why i think that's why the heat traded him right abdul nader it's never really done it for me jamis ramsey or jamis ramsey from the kings robert woodard someone told me they like robert woodard i i didn't know who told you that Someone on Twitter. <laughs> was it Robert Woodard? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because yeah, I've never heard that name just, before in my life. Robert Woodard II, excuse me. I remember he wrote, from, uh, he from wrote draft that Watergate research. story, right? Oh, that's Woodward. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's bleak is a good word for uh, for the players. Drew Eubanks got snatched up already, unfortunately. Sarcasm. I, wasn't. I don't think I've ever... Is he the guy that dumped on Thanasis? Oh, I think like he is, bad? actually. Yeah, okay. I think that is him. I have watched him play that. <laughs> yeah, you saw that. Um, all right, so let's talk about the rest of the outlook for the season, then. If we don't – if they're gonna, they'd sign Mamu the rest of the year, maybe some 10 days, whatever, if we're not excited about, about – Bring the back buyout. Boogie. He's, he got signed, didn't he's, he? I guess he's under contract. I, oh, yeah. Is well, he Is he actually, though? I thought that he was under 10 days. I thought that I rest think of the season is. Him. 
I could be wrong. Oh, maybe they didn't. I know they kept... They no, kept sorry. His, his 10 day expired two days ago. Oh. Hmm. On, on those lines, though, because now they have Surge, they don't really need to do that. But if we just bring him back someone... Bring back just, Moose. Exactly. Bring back Moose and let Moose possibly get a ring. Like, if find you're... Find Brandon Knight. If you no, can't find... in there. Oh, no, no. Let's see what he's doing. Brandon Jennings. Let's bring you... back Michael Carter-Williams. Yes! He also is Also has not played. There's yeah, a lot he, of guys I mean, who disappeared this season. He's yeah. injured, but he is a, he well, is available. It was, it was a Dante thing. He got injured a long time ago. Yeah. And then just like, poof. If you're gonna... If they're gonna... Like, I'm not opposed to bringing in a good vibes guy. Some of the other key players on the team like... Bring back Diakite! No. no, someone other key players <laughs> on the team like. So, like most of the guys that really like the Akita, they hug out a lot. I thought if you noticed, the they're like gang? all gone. There's there's Wara. That's it. Yeah. So unless we need like a Wara whisperer, nice um, Brooks brother. <laughs> Doesn't no now Mamu is oh no Mamu's the Mamu's the Narcissus brother yeah we, ju- we don't need the brothers uh, we just need Brook. <laughs> If he if he can get Brooke over the line to get him back on the court, I say bring him in. <laughs> What's OJ Mayo doing? They signed. Oh, they well, that's signed, a, probably don't want to. The question say, we don't want to answer. Can't say on the podcast. They signed Diakite, and Brooke is magically cleared the next day. His spirits are lifted so much. I don't. I don't think that is how that. Be easily, play. he's playing. He's playing in the Euro League. Jordan's talking now. Like this is this is the real. Tyreek Evans just got reinstated. He was oh, so that's... bad the last year he played before <laughs> he, he got banned for two years or whatever. Was, it, was that with Indiana? Uh, I don't yeah, think those two so. things are unrelated. Yeah, can't say for certain. Yeah, um, no comment on Tyreek Evans except no. The comment is no, 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 and no comment, no, no comment. <laughs> so the schedule coming up for the Bucks is pretty tough, which may be a positive almost because we've seen they've played better in some of these games, although they're especially depleted now. Um, Are we concerned that they're just not going to look good after the break? Because there's been some stinkers. The Philly game was ugly, very winnable. Not that they got blown out, but I think that almost made it uglier. Where are you guys at heading into the season and expectations for the stretch run, thinking about like, where are they going to finish? Are they going to finish closer to top two? Or are they going to finish closer to like that four, five, six range? I, um, where's my concern level? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, one to ten, probably six. Wow, that's quite high. It's mildly concerned. I think it's, I think, but I also think like. Is that your, just your, your resting state? <laughs> mildly concerned? Probably. Yeah. Um, but, no, but I also think it's this race against time where it's like we're waiting on Pat. We're waiting on Brooke to get back from injury. You're integrating not one but two pieces you know, between DeAndre Bembry and Serge Ibaka to kind of fill in the gaps and hopefully mesh well within their rotation when they are fully healthy. Problem is they have just not been fully healthy at all this year. And you, I am so positive about like where they are, you know, where they stand against their, you know, challengers in the East. If they make it out of the East, um, I mean, we're looking at the Suns now, who looked like you know the front runner to win a championship. They're without Chris Paul for the next six to eight weeks, and that's leading up to the start, if not just the start, but like the first yeah. round. 
No, playoffs start in seven weeks, so it's right in there. Yeah, so like, there's just, I don't know. It, again, they've they have really last year, especially even considering the fact that Dante got lost, you know, at the end of that Heat series in the first round last year, they have been able to avoid serious injuries at the right time. I'm just kind of afraid that like maybe it just they're like right under our nose this whole time where like they're just not going to get fully healthy and you know they're still a really good team without you know having Brooke in the lineup or you know um obviously they're starting center but like they take any more hits or if Pat doesn't play as well as he did, has throughout this whole year when he comes back from injury like the margin for error is just so thin at this point where it just kind of I don't know I it's just uneasy feeling that I just think it maybe comes back to bite them I think the margin for error is greater than it was a year ago and that worked out okay so I I will have hope based on that alone, but I do think there's more to it than that. So if we, again, if we want to take last season as a point of reference here, we want to go back to the player we were talking about in a similar way in terms of questions of health, questions of the books need to get this guy integrated, get the lineup out of the floor, get to know each other so it can work at the playoffs. That was PJ Tucker. And yep. um, PJ Tucker was new to the team, ended up playing an absolutely crucial role and there was a much more pressing need to get him involved in games just because he hadn't been involved with those players before. The one thing that I would have a little bit of optimism about is we're talking about Brooke, we're talking about Pat, we're talking about George Hill. Those guys know the deal. They know the book system inside out. They know how their teammates play like inside out. They they really are some of the kind of most ingrained in books culture, although George Hill has been cast aside once before and almost certainly will again before his deal uh, concludes like they have been central to what this has been they know how this team plays you know how they want to play that is something that encourages me because i i think there's just a little bit more wiggle room than you would have for example if it was someone who's coming in and they're coming in with an injury and you're needing to get that balanced right straight away like the question of brooke is always going to be like how rusty is he how long does it take to shake that rust off but the question of brooke is never going to be what does that lineup look like with brooke lopez in it or what does Giannis and brooke look like together or and and you can go through that with pat you can go through that with george so for me that is something that is giving me some solace um even with some of the injury concerns and also look there's guys that's not like the ideal but now there's Bembry's there wes matthews is there like they may not have all of the perfect guys. They may not tomorrow be able to, or Saturday, to give a better example, when they play the Nets, they may not be able to put out a lineup that they could put out if, say, in the very unlikely circumstances that those two teams could play in a conference finals, which based on current standings would require a lot of a lot of things to break certain ways. But they may not be able to put out the lineup they'd want to in that game. But I, I think they can put out good lineups. Like, this is a deeper team. It may not feel like it right now. It may not have felt like it recently, but it is a deeper team. And you're going to get your injuries. You've been through this before. And ultimately, part of what it will come down to is when you get your injuries, there's no guarantee of this. But if the books, when all said and done, if they got their injuries like first half of the season, if that was the time when the books had to deal with all their problems, well, that's the result. Because if you can get healthier from here and be healthy for the playoffs, 
then you're in position A. And that's got to be the only focus. It's got to be okay. Been a lot of ups and downs, more than they've had to deal with for quite some time. But it really does seem like, and not in just some kind of blindly optimistic way, we are at a point now where things should only be trending up. Like they may not trend up in a really kind of sharp spike in the next week, but they should be trending up from here. And I, I think when all said and done, you look at the East, it is wide open. None of these teams scare me at all. I think if the books can get close to it, they're the best team in the East. I think they get out of the East. There is no team in the NBA that they can't beat in seven games if they can get themselves 80% healthy. Like you, you don't necessarily even need all of this to work out, but if you can get there, we know this team is good enough to compete. Like there's going to be more of the inconsistency and the sloppiness that's been a feature of the season, even when guys are working their way back, maybe even more so. I think if everyone takes like a deep breath now and accepts that and gets ready for that, we could probably just move on from there and let's see what it looks like for the playoffs. But I, I do have some optimism. I, I think the situation is generally looking like it's improving to me. We obviously still need to get to the point where that's real. Um, but I don't have I don't have reason to believe that it's getting worse. Which is Adam. Yeah. Rohan, where are you at? I mean, like, that's a that's a good way, that's a good point of reference. It's a good lens to look at the bucks through, I can say, in the sense that, yeah, I do agree. That's very good points you made, Adam, about how you don't need to integrate guys like Pat Connison and Brooke Lopez. It's just about getting them to the finish line. Like you said, you gotta get to the get to the postseason, have them on the court. And hopefully, hopefully this might be within, you know, a month for Brooks case within, you know, what's the, what's the day today? Oh yeah. The 22nd. Everyone's making a big deal out of it. Uh, so <laughs> Chris Middleton just, day. Uh, yeah. Chris Middleton day. Happy Chris Middleton day. Uh, in the sense that it might be like mid March, late March. We'll see. We'll see what happens. That's my guess of a timeline. Uh, Cause the bucks won't get one <laughs> as usual. Uh, I'm never going to, never going to let that go. They, they're but trying with Pat. They did try just with Pat. just came out and did it. Yeah. They did. They did. It actually good. also seemed a little optimistic. I was yeah. working on that story for a year, and they just traded <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's good. Um, but, like, I'm not overly concerned about the injuries to uh, George Hill because uh, Bud said they're just going to keep him out till the All-Star break because there's no point. So he should be back soon. Grayson Allen should be back soon. It was a hip injury. Hopefully. I mean – I'm assuming it's minor, but uh, hopefully that, he should be back not, soon. That's like maybe what, like the fourth or fifth time they've used like hip soreness, or it's kind of been kind of weird with how I, I mean we're reading into injury. Welcome to welcome to Bucks PR. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> did he actually? Did he have COVID or was it a non-COVID illness? Because that was I know that was one of the times too. But then he got COVID. Right. No, was that and, Chris? No, but that happened with Grayson yeah, too. Because he was he was reported as a hip injury. Well, then Grayson, it was like was separate, non-COVID illness. I thought it was separate, but then I, maybe it was separate. It, I think you're right. It I was think separate. Chris's is the one where it, it switched yeah. while he was still out. I think Grayson missed with both. Yeah. Okay. He just had a lot of weird. Kind so, yeah, of it's been maladies. a really suspension and uh, a lot, a lot. Uh, Wait, happening. what? <laughs> I think if there's any reason to be optimistic about the like where the Bucks finish in terms of going into the playoffs, not not ultimate. I do agree with Adam. Like I think if they can get to 80, 85 percent, I favor them against any team in the league because they're really good and they're going to have the best player in any series. But 
I think getting the, to that point, and I still believe this, even after last year, I know some people took last year of having to go into Brooklyn um, and not not expecting to have home court in the conference finals, but they did because the Sixers are just simply hilarious and not having home court in the finals as proof of concept of like seeding doesn't matter. I still think you should try to give yourself the most optimal path. You want to give yourself the best chance possible, yeah. but that doesn't mean that they need it. Yeah. And they're not going to this year. I mean, they're, they're, they may only, they may host no series this season. The, the best case seems like one, although it's hard to say. Cause I mean, they're in, they could be the number one seed. They, like, do we think they really could be though? I don't. Yeah. I, I, I don't. think they really How many more games I mean, they, they have against they the technically team? can. Two? That, I, yeah, don't, I don't no, think they will, but I, can, of course, oh, yeah. but I don't think they will. Yeah. I mean, let's see. So we've got 22 games. Is that what the book yeah, is? They've playing? got one game, yeah, the hardest one game against Miami. Remaining strict. Well, I, I just think it's going to be, it's just going to be record. I just don't think they're going to win enough games to, to jump all these teams. I mean, they, I, if Brooke, if Brooke and Pat come back, let's just say February or March 15th, middle of March, that's only 12 games. So they're going to play 10 without those two guys. So, you know, their last 10, they were six and four, which is tied for the worst record among teams in the top six right now, which isn't terrible, but it's not great. And I think those teams have easier schedules. You look at the Bucks schedule. I don't think it's as murder as rowy as some people make it out, but there's, it's still, there's more good teams that we don't have. Yeah. You know, it's felt like the first half of the year was six games against Orlando, seven games against Detroit, et cetera. That's gone now. I just don't expect they're not going to push that hard to win because we, we know that they're not, I don't think, going to fall out of the top six like Brooklyn did. But I, I just don't expect them to win enough games to be first. It'd be great if they did. But if they don't going in, my point was going to be if they don't, that's probably OK this season. Like I assume Miami continues to try hard it and finishes around one. If the Bucks dropped one more. The Miami try hards. Like that's their whole identity. Yeah, it's, it's literally everything they stand for. Let's say the Celtics stay hot and take five. The Bucks fall to six. You're looking at either Philly or Cleveland in the first round. And then you take on one of the Bulls or either the Raptors or Nets, depending on who gets out of the play-in, which could be the Raptors knowing Canada's vaccination thing. It's like that's a pretty easy start. It's easier than last year, given where the Nets are now compared to where they were at least going into that series, I think. And you can leave the heat out of this side of the bracket for a while. So I don't know. I mean, I think the the Sixers would be tough, but I, I like yeah, the best I, chances there. I mean, Sixers are maybe the only team I would like to try and avoid. Oh, I'd rather avoid the heat than the Sixers. I'm not afraid yeah. of the Sixers at all. I think the Sixers have a higher ceiling than the heat. The I Sixers don't. have, I think clearly, like their yeah. two best players are better than if you're doing – who are the two best the players between those two franchises? They both play for the Sixers. Maybe. I don't know if Harden's actually better than Jimmy Butler anymore. That's that's honestly I might fair. go – yeah. I think it But the best player is still in B. I'll, I'll listen to the argument, but I, I'm MB still sorry. We've seen Embiid do a lot against the Heat and lose because the guard on his team didn't do enough. Yeah. If you guys want to start betting on James Harden in the playoffs, that's fine. I've seen that movie enough times. Well, I'd rather do that against a, than against a team that got swept last year. Okay, I mean that's fine. I you know the the Sixers lost to the Hawks last year. I know it's a different team, but so are the Heat. I, I mean, I, a, I think there's a seven game series. I think there's an element of splitting hairs here again because just where the books are at, and even if they climb up the standings, just because it's close, it's competitive. 
in theory, all of the series are going to be against teams that are a little bit closer to you than was the case for some of them last year. Like, you're going to have to win some real series. It may not be the most terrifying prospect, but they could also lose in round one. And quite a lot of these series are, they could just breeze their way through it. I think that's going to be part of it, which is, I think you might have to accept the run overall could be a little bit tougher, as in consistently round to round. Yeah, that won't matter because if the books play to their ability or close to it, they're just going to be better than those teams. But that's the if for me. Like that. even a team like Cleveland, where I think, I mean, personally, I've been kind of expecting them to fall off and they haven't. And obviously, you know, they have two all-stars. They have Kevin Love. They they just have had a really good mix of guys. They're bringing Big Karis ball. LeVert. Big ball. It's the way um, forward. This is what they're getting LeBron in the offseason, too. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Uh, he really loves what Sam Presti's doing. <laughs> I want to see how into the weeds he gets praising GMs. Like, how long until the Bucks Gaming GM gets a shout out? I'm like, wow, you really put a great team together. It's got to be quite a long time. <laughs> Billy King was really good. Just <laughs> he, made a couple he bad knew decisions. He how to go for it. And you've yeah, got to admire knew, that. Yeah. Brian Gudenkus, he really <laughs> stuck to his guns. <laughs> Picking Jordan Love. He's just good. Yeah. Joe Dumars was working twice as hard as anyone <laughs> before it was popular. He's working the phones more than you, <laughs> except for Paul Pierce, because that's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, but going back to our, our original point, I think the run is, I mean, we were fearing that he kind of rematched in last year and, Mark Lazary was saying it before the series started, like, we wanted to do this, and this is the series that we wanted, and then it kind of proved, like, oh, I understand why they wanted to go back and face against the Heat. I do think this the road to getting out of the East, whoever it is, it's so much... It, it's it's just crazy that we're just not talking about Brooklyn here because of how things have just... Why would we? Yeah, this. I mean... I know, but it it's, it's so it just it's I don't know it's hard to fathom just like yeah they're out I of, think they're kind of not testament, yeah it's they're a testament to how the East is it's no, yes. like the East is really good this year because yeah. we're not talking about the team which has a guy that can single handedly win a playoff series yep. exactly well, and it's really, like we'll yeah. we'll talk about them if it gets but, to that and we know, we know what that looks like if it gets to that point and they're playing them in the playoffs and KD is fully healthy. Like, we're all going to be terrified because we've seen that movie before. Like, regardless of what else is going on around them, we've seen that. So it uh, that to me, it's like, what is there to say about the Nets until that point? Yeah. Like, their, their whole season is about KD. You could talk about all the other guys, but it's just about, like, when's he back and how's he going to look? Because he's going to have to do it on his own. The, the one thing I would say, though, as to the books against any of these teams, or even to your original question, Ty, which is, like, to imagine what they look in the upcoming stretch against better teams... Um, even like how many games they can roll off between now and the season, because I, I do think they might be inclined to try and win some more games in this part of the the year this year than they did a year ago. I think they might be more motivated to push closer to the finish line because I think internally they there could be a feeling where they're like hasn't clicked yet. It would be nice just to see us like firing all cylinders for for a period of time. But for example, the week ahead, want to win those games? Maybe Chris Middleton plays good all of a sudden for like a few weeks, a few That'd months. Be nice. And then like Pat being out injured, George Hill, if he's still out injured, Brooke being out injured, like those things can go to the background. If you can get 
Giannis, Chris, and Drew all playing well at the same time. The Bucks can beat all these teams. Yeah. Um, the last thing on Miami, and I think this is, and I, I don't think they would struggle with the Raptors, but I am always going to be a little more trepidatious about teams that can effectively guard Giannis. And I think even you look back to the sweep, Giannis did not play all that well, did not score all that well in that series. Like, there's a reason Bryn Forbes outscored Jimmy Butler. It's because they made the Bucks pass out of the paint so often and Bucks shooters hit shots. And that's great. Having watched the Bucks in the playoffs enough over the last six years, I don't like having to rely on Buck shooters hitting shots because we've seen it doesn't always happen. I would prefer a series where we know Giannis will not have problems scoring. That's why Brooklyn, I'm just not that worried because I just think he's better now. I think that series made him better, a lot better after the first couple of games. If he goes into that series looking like the guy he was when he came out of that series, I don't know if it even goes seven, right? Like I think it's different. Maybe it still does because they're great. But I, I just think he's better equipped now and the Bucks are deeper and they're worse. Something I just looked up, they're going to have less star guard games this time than they did last time with Kyrie only playing half the games. They had four games of star Kyrie and at least one of Harden in that game seven. And yeah. they did not have that last time out. So I, I just I, I don't worry about it. And like the Bulls, Giannis is running through the Bulls like a knife through hot butter. Like that's a hot knife through butter. A hot knife through hot butter, maybe that's how easy it is. Knife through hot butter would work just as well. Yeah, just like no one has ever said easy. it that way. It's very easy. It's a puddle, but that's what the, the Bulls <laughs> defense will look like against Giannis. Um, Nikola Vucevic and drop coverage. <laughs> he's been really good defensively this year is what you have to say when he's not been very good offensively this year. Um, Boston maybe. Oh, come on, he's improved. Give him some credit. He's had to do something. It's like this is like the James Harden. I also like, think, oh, he can play post defense now. He's just big and he can't do anything else. That's useful though. Sure, yeah. yeah. Like in if we're rooting for Brooke Lopez to return time, like yes, weaponize your size. You know, Brooke Lopez is great defensively. Vucevic yeah, is not close to that. I know. Oh well, then why did you? I'm saying like in in a similar style. Yeah, except one is good. It makes a lot of difference. There, yeah, but there is also because even when you're talking about the Heat, the thing that interests me, I there's reason to just fear, like basically Spolstra, right? Because of yeah. how the Heat over a long period of time have matched up against Giannis. Are there individuals that you're pinpointing? So is it PJ? Is it Bam? Like when you're thinking of Giannis struggling, is it just what we have baked into our heads about the Heat? Because I don't, I don't know. Like I think they can make it tougher than most teams because they make it tough enough based on where Giannis is at now. Like, I'd expect it to be better than it's been in any previous year against the Heat, just because that's kind of where Giannis is at. But I don't know, are you seeing specifically... I think it's both. I, think it's both. I mean, I think they have... Like, Bam has done so much better than I expected. I think having PJ to be the first primary and then Bam is the help defender, and then Lowry and, and Butler are really nuisance guys to come from the nail and try to bother him too. And we've seen Lowry in, in that as, do that before, obviously, in 2019. Um, so I, I think it's a it's a combo, and of course the coaching. Like they like, can I say something that I might regret? And we may be like played oh back boy, to the months from that. Is, I think Giannis would tear PJ Tucker to shreds because the reason PJ Tucker can compete with say KD is because of his strength, his physicality, and the way he sets himself and approaches the game defensively. KD's instinct is not to embrace contact and like really kind of feel the guy who's defending him there. 
Giannis is just going to truck through him. It's going to be, oh, hey, little guy, 6'5", right? It's like, like he's a great defender. We know that. But I don't think P.J. Tucker can be the answer. And something that more and more as time has gone on, we've seen with Giannis is you kind of want like a legitimate center. Like you want a legitimate center who also has some ability. Like this is going into the Sun series, even while we were kind of, we we weren't spooked, but we were we were intrigued by like okay, well if if Aiton's going to be on Giannis a lot, what's that going to look like? Just because he is legitimately like he's bigger than him, he's one of the few guys who is bigger than him, and I do think that is one of the smarter approaches you can go to. Like Bam has had his moments against Giannis, but Giannis has definitely improved like significantly at that matchup in particular. The years have gone on, and I think where a lot of star forwards in the league will see PJ Tucker and they will want no part of it, and PJ will have his way. I think Giannis is different, and I don't mean that in like a quote unquote, like a you know, a hooper different way. I mean, he's literally different. The way he plays the game is different to most of those guys, and it makes him just so much better equipped to just blow through PJ Tucker. I, I maybe I'm wrong with that. I'm I'm interested if anyone disagrees, Whoa. but I just think the style of play is really notable there with those guys, as opposed to the guys that we've seen PJ like lock in on. The Giannis has scored 15 or less four times this year. Two in wins when he just didn't play that much. Two in losses to the Miami Heat where he shot four of 11 in one game and four of 13 in the other game. His only two games against the Miami Heat this season. I know it's regular season. I know it's different. But, but it, he has not played well against the Heat. He's this never played, And he's never played all that well against the Heat. He's never, no, that's I, but that's I understand that. That's the Spolster thing. But I, I don't individually. That's, also, that's what I was trying to see. If there is, if there is a matchup where any of you are like, it's that particular guy, because I don't think it's individual. My concern is just whether as a team overall, which they are capable of, it's down to their coaching, it's down to their personnel, that they're going to do such a good job of just covering over all of the cracks that you're gonna, you're gonna win there. But I, I honestly don't think they have the guys to just like, oh, we're gonna, we know no one stops Giannis, but even slow him down. Like, I just think PJ is not the guy. If the books play PJ, I'd be most worried about Chris. Like, Chris is going to not have a good time. Rohan, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Adam here. I, I'm not scared. <laughs> I have no fear. Aside from, like, Ty, you mentioned earlier about how uh, they, the Heat have done a nice job trying to limit Giannis scoring, which is true. That is true. Uh, and you have guys like Bryn Forbes outscoring Jimmy Butler. The, you're relying on Bucks shooters, like, hitting their shots. I disagree a little bit there because you, they don't have to hit all their shots. Those games, aside from game one, was, were blowouts. It, was, it wasn't close. I, so, like, I don't think we should – I mean, okay. I mean, if we're using previous games as sample, like everyone well, else here is doing, I can a, use those a, games well, as a sample, much, which is it, what the most recent relevant games that matter are those four games. I mean, that team stunk compared to this Heat team, though. It's an entirely different team. That, that's, Why? I was going to go. Why? With that Goran too. Dragic was playing out of his mind. Because they're much better now. They have replaced Trevor Ariza with PJ Tucker that's, and added Kyle Lowry. They didn't. They that was going to Adam's point about like they had to rely on Bam to stop Giannis, and even though it didn't, you know, his numbers did take a hit in that series, he was still playing better than he has, you know, over a consistent stretch of time. They. Like, if we go back to the bubble, like, Jay Crowder was one of the big reasons why Giannis struggled as much as he did, that, too. I was going to make that point. Yeah, and Giannis got and, better. 
Oh yeah, exactly. But yeah, like he he's evolved. Gives... He takes these matchups. He learns. It's Ty. You said that about the Brooklyn series. Yeah, like apply that same logic. Uh, it's different but, logic. Brooklyn doesn't have PJ this kind gives, of defense. I think PJ gives them more of what they need to kind of give that complement of defenders where it's not just exactly. that one guy. It's it's the whole. That's crew. that's that's the good teams against Giannis. That's what happens. Like yeah. DeAndre Ayton should be a great Giannis defender. Nobody can defend him alone. But the Heat don't try. And I think P.J. Tucker now is better than Jay Crowder was then as a Giannis defender. I think Giannis is better too, but I think the yeah. Heat's personnel is better. And that's why they're good because they don't have one guy do it. They have three, four guys do it. And that's what puts the Bucks in this position of, you know, so other guys are going to have to step up if that's the series. And I, I think they will. I just prefer to rely on Giannis than anybody not named Giannis. What do we You're think of the Giannis, Ty. What do we think of the Heat's offense? Because we're doing the thing that you always fall into, which is which is a reactive conversation. We consider it on the back foot as a matchup. But even if the Heat play the best version of their defense, and how the Bucks defense right now, let's not imagine that defense going into a series against the Heat. But let's assume George Hill's factor in the rotation, Brooke Lopez is back. Uh, maybe that would be a series of defense is really what it becomes about where you would have to play Bobby Portis a little bit less if you have that luxury. If Serge is playing well, he's healthy. Brooks playing well, he's healthy. Like, it could just be an absolute rock fight. And we saw this last year, and I'm no less inclined to believe the books are equipped when healthy. They are not equipped right now as of this current moment of time. But they are equipped to out-defense or just get enough. Like, you can... You can shut the books down offensively, and I, they will still have more tools and just manage to get more points than the other team in that scenario. Like I think that's part of what comes in, and that's why for me, like yeah, maybe James Harden isn't what he used to be, but the Sixers do worry me more because if and they wouldn't limit the books like the Heat, but they would have the potential to score in a way that if Chris was having a bad series or if Drew wasn't having his best offensive series. And then you've got guys like Grayson or Pat stop hitting shots. The books would be in trouble. They just wouldn't be able to get the points. Like going into a, a series where it's, oh, well, this team is going to lock the books down, like as close as you can. I kind of always feel more comfortable on that because at the end of the day, you're like, well, I trust the books to find ways to eke out enough points. And now they literally have a championship based on that principle because they couldn't, they didn't play good offense really at all in the postseason last year. <laughs> and they won a championship. Also- the Heat also are third in the league with three-point percentage this season. Do we think that's going to hold up in the playoffs when Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker are playing? Like, P.J. Tucker's leading the league in three-point percentage after just bricking it up in Milwaukee. Do we think well, that's going to hold up? Lowry's an interesting case, and I'm I'm very nervous saying anything about Kyle Lowry. And I'm not possible. nervous about saying anything about oh, playoff bro, Kyle Lowry. I've been I've been down this road before. It did not go well for me. <laughs> we did binge the Bucks and I, I still. <laughs> I know Kyle Lowry is not the reason they won that series. I spent years sure trashing has. Kyle Lowry uh, unnecessarily. Maybe it turned out he's better than Goran Dragic, right? But Goran Dragic, kind of hot with his style of play, like the Bucks faced last year, is kind of a more dangerous player in terms of hurting the Bucks. He killed them. He killed them. He's because it's, like, it's even it's like what's like the thirty four percent from three? By the way, we're dramatized. We're dramatizing how good that's better than what Kyle Lowry's going to do. But there were there were stretches within game. I'm, I like ultimately the books. The books have been there with the Heat. We've seen, we've seen both sides of this coin at this point, right? Yes. Um, like 
there have been stretches where when Dragic gets hot, he's a much streakier player, particularly with his shooting, than say like hilarious. Yeah, and <laughs> well, how's I don't actually know how's Duncan Robinson doing now? It's you know it's bouncing back a little bit, a little bit. Wait, it's not about Duncan Robinson having a fine like, is, year. I was just gonna ask: Is he, you know, how's the team doing? Is I wanna, he? I want to get him. Is on he the making show. podcasters think, everywhere proud? I, I, I want to get Duncan Robinson on the show so I can roast Kyle Lowry. I think he would. Uh, <laughs> I think it'd be fun to talk about those series. They also have like these random guys who are probably going to kill the Bucks in, in a couple of games. Which Max Drews, Max Drews. No, they're Freddie, not. They're Martin. not going to. They're going to have much reduced roles though. They've had to play at much higher roles because the they're Shrews. players. That, <laughs> because they've had so many injuries to their top guys, these guys are getting a lot of minutes. That's not going to happen in the postseason. Yeah, but it's, it's still better to have more useful players. They've yeah. had they've had nearly as many injuries, if not more, than the Bucks this year, and they're still I first know. in the East. I know, which it's, is what this I'm long like, Heat conversation is gone because Ty is actually like really, and now it makes sense because he he wants to get Duncan Robinson on the pod, so he's talking up <laughs> the Heat. No, I just I think I think they're the biggest threat to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, personally. I just don't think Giannis would lose a series when a team can't realistically hold him down. I don't even think the Sixers can. I think the I think the Sixers have the highest ceiling. That's just my my point. They have Maybe. so much offensive firepower between Harden and Embiid. It's just it's all about meshing in a very short amount of time, though. That's the yeah one yeah that yeah that's for sure. So NBA seventy five. That was cool. Oh, the good stuff. Yeah, I know. Right at the end here. So Giannis, he's the youngest guy on the thing, right? Yeah. Because they didn't yeah. let they didn't let Jokic in yet for some reason, even though Damian Lillard is on there for some reason. Jokic probably shouldn't have gone either. And Anthony Davis? Yeah, I don't. Oh yeah, is Anthony Davis younger or no? No, no. no. Yeah, no he's he's, he's, on, he's on the team. Yeah, I know he's on the team. Um, but Giannis was there, and it was. So I think it was cool when, you know, we, we learned he was on the team, right? I think everyone was like, that's very cool. Maybe you guys dove in deeper than I did as, as an individual. But I think seeing him there with the other guys really crystallized, like, how freaking special it is that a 27-year-old player who's been on the Milwaukee Bucks his entire career, and we've gone through all of his accomplishments. We obviously have lived them in the form of this podcast and writing and tweets and everything else. But just to see him up there with like absolute legends of basketball over the entire history of the league really crystallized like how absolutely wild experiencing this as a fan of him and, and the team is. And I don't know. I just thought it was super cool. And I wanted to take a couple minutes to have something more enjoyable. No downside. No negativity. <laughs> all good. I mean, maybe Jordan's on the fence if this is good or not. But I think it's, it's very cool to see uh, Giannis up there with the 75 team. I enjoyed it. I, I I enjoyed it a lot. It was honestly, I was looking forward to that more than the game itself, just because. Yeah. I, I'm not, it's not that I'm jaded by seeing Giannis in an all-star game because that never gets old, but it's, you know what the all-star game is. It was, the, Rather, it was some of the worst all-star basketball I've ever seen in the first half. Anyway. I can't talk yeah. the second half because I like, turned it off. Um, I mean, the, the fourth quarter is good because he lamented. But... Yeah. That's like the saving grace too. It's it's like a it's like a series where you say to someone, you know, it gets really good after like six episodes. You're like, great, six hours of my life, and I'm like, get good. <laughs> That's the all star game. I think that my we I know we talked about it at the time when they rolled out the 75th anniversary teams, and it just kind of felt like oh, they're just rolling it out, and it was just like 
the initial rollout of it was really kind of just it left a lot to be desired. It was terrible to, to say the least. And to at least have like you know what they did with the 50th anniversary 25 years ago and having all these guys and I think at the time the only person that passed away at that point was P- Pistol Pete, um, yeah. unfortunately. And so you still had that factor, and obviously you know we've lost more people since then. But like it's still very cool to see all these greats come together and be recognized for what they're doing. And then in the midst of all this, and you see Bucks legends, obviously too, and you know, Kareem, Oscar, Ray Allen, Gary Payton. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but you just, to make it like coming off the Bucks winning the title, coming off of Giannis's official crowning of, this great not that we didn't recognize him as this before but like winning a title and the way that he did it too makes it that much more special he's and the last five to seven seconds of that 75th yes, yeah, that's the other video. thing too that was the other thing too that was just like it, it makes it like it's just crazy and he always says like i'm not supposed to, we're not supposed to be here and how much of his whole story you know when we were talking about this with marin fader you know way back last summer like he always talks about he is the aberration to how you know it works being as an immigrant and not just in one country but two <laughs> and just making this story of like you know complete rags to riches and becoming this world famous superstar that's you know has realized all of his dreams at 27 years old <laughs> like that's insane it's crazy it never gets old and just to see him among Michael Jordan, ta- dapping him up and talking to him, or Charles Barkley, like I think people's perception of Charles Barkley since he, you know, he's become a talking head is it's way different than how Charles Barkley obviously was when he was a player and all this stuff. Like these are larger than life figures, and Giannis by him his you know work on the court and all this stuff is larger than life, but he still remains Giannis of you know walking down the street of Milwaukee without a coat on and because he was, te- you know, not faxing, but sending money to his, like, it's, it's all part of the story. You don't lose sight of where he's come from. And it, I don't know. It's just very cool. What what you're talking to there is like, that's like the origin story of legends. And it's like, you get to a yeah. certain level and all of that stuff matters. And that matters at Giannis. And it matters in the same way that, you know, seeing a lot of these guys, go up onto whatever weird little podium thing it's like yeah you're thinking about it like when kareem goes up to me at this point for reasons that will become apparent to you all sometime in the future it's not just like oh there's kareem you know former book legend kareem it's like you think about kareem's life kareem's journey kareem's own story in that way and what got him there and there are a lot of guys and kind of the vast majority of them like everyone has a story like that particularly when you become that tier of player when you're really kind of reaching that legendary status, because then your whole story matters and people read into it more and they put more value on it. For me, th- this is more of just what I wish sports was, which is a greater willingness to actually kind of take a moment and pause on this and give something to it. I say that, do did people do that? Like, did the average fans actually care about a lot of that? I don't know. I think one of the greatest failings of sports fans and actually maybe one of the greatest failings of humanity is the feeling of like we're living in the most important time and everything that's happening now is what really matters. And, you know, 
Lindell Wigginton, he's important, you know? He's making um, the next one. Dare he's you. making the next one. <laughs> how dare not, you? Not to take shots, not to take shots. <laughs> but for Dame, you heard it here first. But there is there is much more enjoyment that comes from me in actually being able to zoom out a little bit more. And like I, I think you see people say very often, kind of what you said, Ty, in introducing segments, which is along the lines of, you know, don't take Giannis for granted. And yet I think everyone takes Giannis for granted because they only think of Giannis in the now, in the there's Giannis here and, oh, the MVP race is him, Jokic, and Embiid. Or Durant is still here and LeBron is here. Where Jordan's right, quite a few people have passed away since the NBA 50. But this is still like, they had the group photos taken. So there's a picture yep. that, that bridges like Bob Pettit to Giannis which is, this is a relatively new game. This is a relatively new league. Like, that's the span of the game. They're in one photo. That is really, really cool. And it is only, you know, those similar final closing appearances, those two guys as well. It's like, you get those people together and all of that matters. And I I like the NBA doing that. I think they still have to make more effort. I wish more of those guys' stories were told. There should have been a week of programming around the announcements at the time. As you said, they botched the original rollout. But there should have been, like, let people who are 15 or people who are 25 or people who are 35, who they know what they grew up watching and they know who they put value on, they make outs with yardsticks. But give them context for why these players were great on the court, but also for why they mattered beyond that. Like, let them understand the legend and that we understand the legend of Giannis or LeBron or Michael Jordan. And this is one step towards that. I, I think the NBA loves to have, you know, legends come out and sit courtside and wave. And we had some really weird cases of that in whatever hostage room all the guys who weren't there were doing their waving from. <laughs> I don't know what that. Like Larry Bird is recruiting Gordon Dragic. That's why he was he couldn't go. <laughs> it's I think it's just people who weren't there and they just yeah. put like a green screen. Yeah, and it was weird. It was it was, it was really weird. I won't even get into some of the individuals <laughs> and reasons why it was weird, but it was weird. Uh, yeah, I think but, uh, one of them wasn't there because uh, it was a school zone. <laughs> yeah, that was. Thanks for getting right to the individual. <laughs> I was trying to sidestep, uh, but. I, I just I do think it's it's a classic example of what I just wish we would do in talking about sports, which it's the only way that it gets talked about is, oh, you know, is LeBron better than Michael Jordan? That's it. That's like the only way that people go to this. And it's it's so empty. It's not really it's not having the fun it's that SEO can be there. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's it's also just there's so much enjoyment to take from. Uh, I won't let's not beat around the bush with it. Jordan and I are working on a project. Jordan's life is consumed <laughs> by a project that we have talked before. I'm not joking. Uh, we're working on a books history project that sometime we hope will be available to you. It's it's turns out these things are big and they take a lot of time and there's a lot of information. But how much fun is it, Jordan, to really kind of just get a sense of what the league was like back then, what the characters were like to understand all of that. Like it's, it's true. All of the empty stuff that they say when like Spike Lee is doing his intro or when you've got like uh John Morant, Morant and Devin Booker and Carl Towns and Dantish looking like again, hostages as they're giving a message. Really, like we're only here because of these guys. Like, yeah, that is actually true. I just hope that people take a bit of time either themselves to do some reading or, 
watch some clips if that's an option for the players to actually understand that. So for me, that's that's why I like it because it's it is a case of oh, let's actually pay attention to the past. They just could have done a bit more still, but even just to see Giannis back to like it's cool. Like I, I think it's cool to see the moment with MJ, but it's it's more it's going back beyond that. It's like Giannis being on the stage with some of the much older guys is something that is kind of even just difficult to wrap your head around in terms of how you visualize the NBA then and how we know the NBA is now. Yeah, Adam, you mentioned uh, it's like, I don't know how people actually took it, like casual fans actually took it. Uh, I've had my beef with Bob Pettit in the past. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, I I had like, I felt like I had a greater appreciation for it. So I think it was a, it was a good moment because it, it made me appreciate it. Like it, it was, it was, it was, they a took a lot of time. So- it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a surreal experience in the sense like, wow, this is like, this isn't going to happen again for 25 years. Like, can you guys imagine what you're doing 25 years from now? Like that's, that's the next time we're going to see that. I'm still at the library working at this book. (laughs) (laughs) That's you just, you've, you've spoiled it there, but we're planning on releasing our series for NBA 100. (laughs) But NBA 100 is the next time we're going to see an event like that. Like Giannis's career is going to be well over. Well, like a lot of let's, players. But let's not make it. Like they just, God. they should. It's actually like when you think of some of the, like the All-Star game is not the Super Bowl. And when I think back to some of the halftime performances and stuff we've seen over the years, that All-Star game, and a lot of just, a lot of everything that gets brought around that. Why is this not an annual thing where you're, it's obviously not going to be this exact version of it, but why are they not trying to find ways every year that are actually celebrating the league and the history of the league as opposed why, to being like, here's Pitbull, here's like, you know, it's don't you just disrespect so Mr. World. Common during the All-Star game intros for the 10th time. <laughs> but like, it's why, like, I mean, there's a lot of problems that the NFL has. Uh, we don't have to go into them. But like, the one thing that they do and we can get in I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why they do that or why it works for them just because the season's a lot shorter um but they even in the run-up to the super bowl it's their marquee event there's all these guys that are just littered across you know uh in los angeles doing interviews and talking about their careers and all like all those stories matter even if it's a guy like dan marino or brett Favre or a guy that was you know a third stringer on a Super Bowl winning team. Like it just like, it, they still managed to make that like a big thing, whether it's not just about in your, the home markets or it's about football. It's like the history matters of this game. And, you know, coming from, you know, being in Wisconsin and how much Packers have meant to the state and obviously Green Bay itself, like they put, they put that out there and bring it home because it means so much and how all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But like, and as Adam said, like the Emmy is still so young. Like, it's still like the fact that we have all these people that are still living and can still like talk about their careers and talk about their stories. Like, that's there. That's pretty cool. Like that, you know, it could span between Bob Pettit or to Giannis, or it could span from you know Oscar to another. Like, it's just that's crazy. And yeah. I, the the one thing I think of that. Sorry, Ty, but. When you think of, for example, how the league is covered and a lot of the criticism that often comes from, for example, if we go to TNT and we go to 
the sense of like guys like Shaq and Chuck basically being of the opinion that basketball was better and it was more competitive in their generation. And all when when all of that comes up and you've got like the who's he play for thing where they name players. Like, how about just get rid of that? And if the guys on TV feel strongly enough about their era, well, occasionally talk to them about their era or do something that actually serves a purpose. Like, it's it's not that difficult. If you've got a matchup on a Thursday night, it might just be a random Thursday in the regular season, but if you've got two teams and there's a history there, there's a story to tell, there's a player that's important. Like, to me, that should be a much more integral part of just the day-to-day Here's a game. Here's why it matters. Here's why this is a rivalry. All of that kind of stuff. Because even with Bucks fans, and that's the prism that, I mean, we've largely seen this and worked through this over the years. It's like when you talk about the Celtics or the Sixers, like who, uh, to me, those two franchises, they are the Bucks rivals. Like it's it's the Celtics and the Sixers. There are others, but to me, they are the Bucks rivals. There's probably a lot of Bucks fans who would just be like, what? Or I don't think like that. Maybe in recent years they've talked like that because there's been other reasons. But I know, for example, when we would talk about those series, we always tried to frame it within the context of, well, book Sixers matters because of this. Like, so it matters right now. You've got all this, but you've also got that. And that's what makes it special. I think other sports do this really well. Yes. Yeah. The NFL do a great job of that with their rivalries. Soccer, all European soccer, like that is what it's built on. It is built on the idea of these teams are playing against each other, and this player played against that player in the 70s in this fixture. And that's how you just get people to care, not just to care about your game, to care about the past, but to care more deeply about their team. Like, which brings to the thing we've often talked about, which is that the books just do a terrible job with their own history. It's like, great, we've progressed to like 80 second videos go out where it's like, oh, here's Here's an all-time legend who once played for the books, and here's a story. There you go. It's nice and bite-sized if you've no attention span. That's progress from where we were, but it's not really doing anything. Like it's no one is going to take anything from that. And it's not making anyone's relationship to the books, to the league, any greater. And ultimately, it doesn't it doesn't allow the context to appreciate in the way that everyone wants to, for example, what Giannis is doing right now. If you don't understand why he's so rare, why he's so special, not just in the now, but in the overall context of the league. You are kind of missing some of what's what's really, really spectacular about it. Yeah, I was a little disappointed they weren't one of the teams to get a picture of all of their former representatives on the NBA 75. That's, I saw... Jordan Jordan sent me a message on the night, and he said, all I want I wanted is a picture man. of Gary Payton and Giannis together, right? That's what you said? <laughs> Leaving out one guy there, I think. Actually, I guess two guys. Uh, yeah, two, put some respect on. Put some respect on Dirk's name. <laughs> of Dirk. they, would they have to put kid in it? Is that why they didn't do it? Were they like, oh, we don't no. have to include? Uh, uh, I I love how he didn't get mentioned. How they posted out that video, but they didn't mention the fact that kid featured very prominently in it. That was interesting. Yeah, and the Jordan. I was looking something up when he said the NBA is a very young league. It's like this is kind of like a tragic stat, but there's only been four MVPs who have passed in the NBA. Yeah, that's why it was like a big. I mean, unfortunately, when Kobe died, oh, we got we've got Wilt, Kobe, Moses Malone, Moses and, and Wes Unsel. Yeah, yeah, that's like it. that's that's mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, like that you can bridge the gap between all that stuff and still look at 
still see all those guys that you know have won MVPs or just you know these greats that are still there. The one thing that we'll dive into at another time because that was the time for it, the NBA is also lying about how old it is. So this whole NBA <laughs> seventy five thing is a bizarre gimmick uh, that is not based in fact because they're just they're, they've decided to rewrite history as opposed to when the NBA actually officially began. But that's some MBL, and you know, <laughs> there's another time and place for it, right, Jordan? Yeah, would it be an NBA uh, conspiracy without an age-related question <laughs> that's true. that happened? Happening? That's true. Shout out, Don Maker. I thought we were getting back to uh, Malone there. Um, anyway, one last <laughs> bit of historical perspective, quickly. And I thought the NBA 75 was cool because I, I do think the NBA needs to take charge of its own history because they are the one or maybe I don't know, maybe baseball's like this, but they don't own or operate the Hall of Fame, right? Like it's it's basketball, it's not NBA. Or do they own it? I don't, no, I don't they think don't, they do. it's general. It's just NBA. No, it's because it's, it's the Naismith Memorial yeah. Basketball Hall of Fame. So I, I think they should take charge of their own history a, a little bit more and be more hands on. Yeah. But it, and apparently change it, as Adam said. But Marcus yeah, they're, Johnson, they're doing it. They're in a very hands-on way they, they when people now. decide to write their own history. You know, there's there's words for this. Let's see how they do. Number one color commentator in the league, Marcus Johnson, is up on the Hall of Fame ballot for the third time. Fingers crossed he gets in this time. It's a bit of a tough class, but um, do we have any? What do, class do, is this? Manu. Uh, Manu's in there. I know he's oh. like the headliner, I think. Um, let's see who else? who else. Uh, Lindsay Whalen. I didn't think she was okay. eligible already. Uh, Michael Cooper, uh, West Virginia coach Bob Huggins, NBA coach George Carl, and more. Oh, this isn't all of it. There's 11 people in it. Tim Hardaway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, Cash. very importantly, in the contributor category, Larry Costello, um, is, is up for this year. That's probably the most egregious book submission in the Hall of Fame. Um, Del Harris is also in the contributor category yeah. this year, right? Yeah. Which mm, I I I'd say Costello should definitely get in before Del Harris. Um, but yeah, I, I look. I I think the big thing for Marcus is Marcus is helping his case every single day that he's working books, broadcasts. He's out there and about, and people just still love him dunking. Right, so still sure. dunking. Um, and more and more people by the day seem to be coming to like the realization that that is in fact him who went to get his gun. <laughs> um, like th- that's, it's just something that I don't think people knew or realize or they may not know he's still around the NBA or any of that. They're like, Oh, that's who that is. So that's, that's useful too. Um, he deserves it. He's a case though, where college is important as well. And I guess, on the inner workings of that and how decisions are made, he he definitely needs a bit of help from the college side for his MBA resume to get over the line. Yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a champion, national player of the year. He's in the college basketball hall of fame too. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. a separate the entity. Numbers retired by UCLA and the Bucks. I'm pretty yep. sure. Yeah, and I think his high school as well, which is obviously for a lot of NBA guys that that happens. But certainly been honored at at every single level. That's for sure. One and, one last step. Yeah, and I think Let's get it done. They're not allowed to factor. Are you joke? Not a joke. I think the perception part matters. They can't factor in his broadcasting in his case as a player, though. No, I think those no, are but separate. he could as a contributor at some point. That could be how he gets in. And I mean, yeah. the books are not his first stop on that. Like he has been, 
he's been a successful broadcaster for quite some time. Go back to Seattle, right? Wasn't that where? Yeah, yeah. Um, with Kevin Calabro. Um, yeah. So down the line, that's a possible Rudy gets in, and ultimately you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer, but it would be nice for him to get in um, as as a Judge player. Judge his merits. Yeah. yeah. I think he has a good shot. Let's 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 speak it into existence. Do we, is there is it just they vote on all of them, or is there a number? Is there a maximum number they let in? I don't remember I don't, how this Hall of Fame works. I don't think there's a well, maximum. You need I don't think there's a max. of twenty-four votes from the it's honors qu- committee. It's quota based. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like each like there's twenty-four people on the honors committee. They can just vote for whoever they think, and if he gets eighteen votes, he's in. Well, fingers crossed that they have 18 better people than they had the last two times that he was on the ballot. Yeah, it'd be awesome if Marcus got in. Definitely deserving. I think it'd be fitting to end this. I think we've ended at least two pods with all four of us this way before. Are the Bucks going to win the upcoming NBA championship? Yes or no? We're going to go in reverse order the way we've been going this whole time. So, Rohan, yes or no? Yes. Adam? I can't believe you should have got Jordan out of the way sooner. No, I thought Jordan's got eager to hear about it. I know, but that's I would have got him out of the way first so we could end up in a positive note. <laughs> yes, I'm going to say yes. I believe yes. I'm going to go what I said last year and had a bunch of it blow up in my face. I'm going to go no. I'm also going to say yes, unsurprisingly. So this is, we're on pace, folks. We're on pace for uh, things to end well yet again, but I, I think we've covered everything, unless I'm missing something, folks. Oh, uh, we we had Packers news today, or non-news today. <laughs> As Jordan, Jordan, do you want to tell us about the Packers? <laughs> He's really non-news? excited to talk about this. Uh, no, I, I can't. <laughs> do you? I, I'm this, not. Uh... I I don't want to announce anything <laughs> now. I'm going to think about it a little bit more. But announce it at a later date. Okay. Well, I think that's the extent of the Packers talk we're going to get. They so we can wrap minute this. by minute podcast. I think Jordan's thinking about launching one for every episode of the Pat McAfee show with Aaron Rodgers. Just every every 20 minute episode is on another minute of the interview. Is what I Jordan, that's, we could do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we have done that. <laughs> okay. Uh, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Say thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep Podcast Network here on the namesake and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, if you did enjoy the show, make sure you leave a five-star rating wherever you can, podcast platform of choice. Make sure you are subscribed. Ty, we have a review, don't we? We do. We do. We have an, a review from Adam's Neck of the Woods, sort of, closer to Adam than us, at least, from Aurorables. A a row rape a row rabbles one of those two in Great Britain a few days ago left a five star review which is important why what what what's wrong Adam no 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 it's just keep calm to me that's that's I think that's just factual yeah just call it my neck of the woods is anyway we'll keep moving I don't want to do a whole geopolitical thing it's just (laughs) region for me well you already did it (laughs) so just keep on moving okay. Uh, Keep on moving. We, we have bus- listeners from, from my neck of the woods that you've Ocean already caused. Your continent. Listen, the, the world is uh, it's an intense enough place at the moment that are you stoking <laughs> more geopolitical tension time with it? That's, it's all on me. Um, he said, great books podcast. Uh, this person from a completely different area of the world than Ireland. Um, he wrote, uh, they wrote, I should say, 
As a Bucks and NBA fan from the UK for the past three years now, I love listening to this podcast, exclamation point. Normally when I tune into podcasts, I normally skip parts or flick through, but not with this one. It's by far the most enjoyable podcast I listen to currently. Keep it up, guys. Very nice review. Thank you, Arroyos. We will. (laughs) That was nice. That always warms my heart. Uh, If you do want to get a review left or read on the show, you do have to leave one, so please do. Uh, wherever you can. If you want to email it at uh, eurosetpod at gmail.com, you can also do that as well. Uh, but yeah, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. Pod random. We will talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.